Tonight, eight is enough for a lame 70s sitcom, but is it enough Olympic gold for Australia? We'll have all the wash-up from Rio as Usain Bolt continues to work at record pace. Eddie Betts, too good for Port Adelaide and some feral fans. The Sharks' premiership campaign takes another hit. And a man who feels the need for speed. Our own Top Gun, Matt Hall, is our special guest. It's the show that will increase your sporting IQ. Well, sometimes. This is the Backpage Live. I wanted to run around in the baggy green. be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never, ever give up. They think women aren't strong enough, but we just beat the world. Their sixes are gold. I got pressed in the back of the head regularly. It was just unfortunate it was from a coach. G'day, buddy. Welcome. Uh, great to have your company. And how good to welcome back Kelly Underwood, fit, healthy, and sitting beside Adam Spencer. Welcome back, both of you, Kel. You're looking healthy, feeling healthy? Feeling great. Excellent. And over here, <laughs> Ryan Fitzgerald with a man making his back page debut, a superstar for the Panthers, Australia, and in the commentary box, Greg Alexander, welcome to you. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. Love the show. No, that's good. We're just taking on. Yeah, Great so you, to be on. I was going to say take an early hit up, but you've already done it. You're done on fire. <laughs> before we go <laughs> to Rio, before we go to Rio, and we are going there, I have a please explain for Adam Spencer. Look at this photo. Oh. Tell me what the hell is going on there, fella. Annual Aussie Rules charity game called the Community Cup we play in Sydney. My media team versus a music industry team. Yes. Uh, we last weekend won our fifth time in a row, the media team, for the Community Cup. I immediately after the game uh, announced my retirement because I realised the most impact I'd had in the entire match was chasing the now obligatory streaker <laughs> and affecting a tremendous ball and all tackle yeah. um, midway through the third quarter. Well, it, it's holding the man there, unfortunately. The next, <laughs> the next shot was holding the ball and we can't show that. And so... Indeed. All right, let's get into it. First off, uh, well done to our Olympians. Australia is proud of your efforts. Proud but slightly disappointed in the results. Look, I, I'm trying to be very fair here, Kel, we, I guess, were led to believe we were going to get more than we got. Yes, I think that's a fair statement. And um, sure, we were average, but you can't... And I guess you can't deny the fact that some of our big names failed to live up to expectations. But maybe we were led down the garden path a little bit. Maybe we are a country going on population that's meant to finish with eight to ten gold medals. Maybe when the AOC comes out and says, we're going to finish top five and we are going to win 13 gold medals. I mean, as a public... We're just reacting to the expectations that they put on us. And I think maybe, you know, Sydney was one out of the box because we hosted. We saw what um, the British team were able to do, you know, in the last four years ago. And then there was that sort of afterglow, the hangover with Athens and Beijing. We were winning 15, 16 gold yeah. medals. But maybe this is where we're meant to be. Well, I think you see what happened with London amazing. And four years on, you've got a generation of athletes who were inspired by that or that was enough to make them keep on. So I don't think it's at all unreasonable to suggest we've had a massive Sydney, and for a couple after that, you've got that generation of That's athletes right. who... Thorpe, Jones, and all of then them. Maybe it, you start to fall into a bit of a pit. Do we start questioning our preparation? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you have a look at them. In the swimming, for example, the Americans have their tri trials at, at a totally different time to ours. It's closer to the Olympics. Yeah, five weeks out. Yep. Well, and it's, and it's that they just seem to get themselves up for Olympics every single time, where we come in with the fastest times with, you know, the number one ranked in each sport and, unfortunately, they don't perform at the Olympics. The other we've thing we've I... spoken about that a number of times, but haven't we, after Olympics, where yeah. we say, gee, our preparation wasn't how it should have been and maybe we should move our trials closer to the events. The other thing I'd like to know, with the, with the pressure that some of our guys said they felt 
I'd love to know, do other countries do all the big heartwarming media stories and get to know the... We build some of these yep. people up with profiles on shows and also, you know, all about their personal details and everything. Do other countries put as much implicit pressure on some people that you will have mm. the eyes of your nation on you? Because some of our kids just got there and freaked out. Yeah. And Adam, we don't was... do that. I don't have a career. No. <laughs> and I think Ma Michael Phelps has about three Swiss ads before uh, the Olympic starts as well. So. Uh, well, the chef de mission, uh, Kitty Chiller, she's had a massive Olympics, very confident about our chances pre-games, as we mentioned, but slightly more circumspect in the wash-up. When you underperform in elite sport, the blame game always follows. I am not interested in the blame game. The athletes gave 100% and that is all that counts. As a man who's over any given 72, 73%, I admire that, I do, but I love, the, <laughs> I love the blame game. I think the blame game is brilliant. And terrific thing is the boomers, they played a little bit of the blame game. Uh, Andrew Bogut did have a crack. Have a listen to what he had to say. Uh, Net can hear him speaking as well. He, he blamed the referee on not so much, but a little bit over-refereeing in the death of that guy. Well, I think that's just frustration speaking on behalf of Andrew Bogut, who got fouled out, you know, two minutes into that after half-time and only played 13 minutes in our most important game for the Boomers in 16 years, in yep. Sydney, really. So, uh, to be brutally honest, I absolutely love this Boomers story and yep. what they were able to do. Fitzy, I mean, no, this is Kel, a bunch... No, come on. This is a... I know, no, Kel, come on. Like, I, I agree with you. They're... they're... Some of the games they were playing were unbelievable, but to not even to get a medal... We've I mean, never won a medal. Never have won yeah, medal. I know, I know. But, I mean, leading up to that, we flogged Serbia before that and then in the quarterfinals, we just... It was that one game that where everything came crashing down. So our down. world ranking is about 11 or 12. Mm. And the, LeBron didn't go, Steph Curry didn't go. Mm. They're all resting. They're all on holidays putting their feet up. This is a bunch of millionaires that mm. came together during the NBA All-Star break, yep. um, going back at the start of this year, and they all got together in America, the, the core team of them. Um, I think we've got a photo here of them on a boat. They made a pact. They said, Australia men's basketball has never won a medal. Let's do something special. They put their egos at the door. They all came together and they went to Uluru a week before the Olympics, before they flew to Rio. Uh, they let's play put our egos out the door and go on holidays together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this, no, in all seriousness, this was a trip that brought Paddy Mills, our Indigenous superstar point guard, to tears. He was so yeah. moved by this trip. I just thought it was amazing what they did. They played breathtaking yeah. basketball. They came within nine seconds of winning a historic medal. Mm. Which you're is not tough down to do. on them, are you? Well, like, no, like I'm after just... looking at that, I, I, they couldn't have done any more well, to get no, themselves no, prepared. No, I, I'm looking at that semi final. And, and Serbia, and you know what? Our scoring percentage was just horrible. It was one game, but unfortunately we went from talking dream team in the final and a silver medal at least to everything came crashing down. Yep. So you're talking about what's happening on the court. I'm talking off the court. Off the court. I, think, yeah, I think Deliver Dover and Paddy Mills yes. represent Australia on the international stage as good as anyone. I completely agree with you. Uh, back to the blame game, which I do love. <laughs> <laughs> Mongolia is happy to play the blame game, uh, so much so that their wrestling coaches stripped in protest at decisions in the bronze medal bout. Look at that. Isn't that a oh, wonderful piece of work? And Which everyone's every... a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of them. They're both right, coaches. They're both coaches. <laughs> and everyone loves right. a bit of Mongolian beef, don't they? <laughs> I mean, everyone. It was, it was embarrassing, wasn't it? They just get the gear off. No-one knows what to do. I'll tell you what, Tony, if I'd been there, yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what I would have done, my friend. Would have grabbed them by the arm and said, that's it. You're out of here. You're out of here, pal. <laughs> Back to the tall? wrestling. I hope you're not wrestling there. That's for sure. <laughs>
The Rio Constabulary uh, has had plenty on their plate over the past couple of weeks, but surely they overreacted with the arrest of Aussie athletes doctoring accreditation to get into that Boomers medal game. That's what you do. You're an Australian athlete, team spirit, you doctor your card and in you go, don't you care? Ah, it's rather unfortunate, this story. I've spoken to our great mate Crash, who's mm -hmm. still in Rio. I don't think we'll drag him off the beach, although he, he does say he's missing us, Tony. And he mm. said that the issue with this... I mean, there was no hanging offence, really, what they did, was it? The issue is that the media accreditation in Brazil almost acts as your visa, so you're doctoring a government um, mm. sort of mm. document, really, yep. in the end. So that, that was the issue. And, and, it and was... it's a, a time-honoured principle of the Olympic Games that ticket-forging and scalping is only to do by I IOC delegates themselves. <laughs> They're allowed to do that. <laughs> That's yeah. all good. Selling to your mates for a bit of that. Yeah. Athletes, no. Know your place. <laughs> Everyone would have done it, though. Come on. We are Australian. Yeah. Look, if you can only get into one venue, you're going to change something little on your accreditation to get you into every venue. Yeah, I love it. Usain Bolt is the king of the world. He's the fastest man on the planet, coolest dude in any room. After winning the relay, he celebrated that triple-triple success with this ancient dance representing the change of baton. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Geez, you'd have yeah. to be pretty uh, confident that the next generation of Bolt's not that far away. <laughs> <laughs> his mum was actually in Rio. She wasn't there on the no. night, not that we know of. Right. But yeah. she, and she did one interview with a, an American media um, outlet and she said, all I want for my son is to settle down, get married and have children. Oh, so. It's off to a good start. Yeah. <laughs> the children Nine looked after. Nine months she left away, <laughs> <laughs> What about him, though? He was the story of the game, surely. That triple-triple, that just wonderful. The images, the way he went about it, every moment that he was centre stage was a moment that captivated the, the entire The universe. sly laugh to the French yeah. guy in the semi. Don't even think about it, dude. Oh, Don't wasn't even that try. great? That was How one of my highlights. I, I found when he, when he crossed the line in the 100, I did find myself just standing up screaming at the TV with excitement. Yeah, and I'm, I was exactly the same. I reckon that race sort of saved the Rio Olympics in a sense. Like, it set it alight, it ignited it, and he's as good a guy off the track as he is on. Crash was uh, was telling me that he did something like 70... Crash and Usain hung out together? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scary Crash, thought. Crash was twerking at that nightclub <laughs> later on. He did, he did 70 interviews within two hours after he won that 100 metres. But this is Brandy, the vision yeah. that... That's yes. great. And, Brandy, if you, in, as an athlete yourself, uh, playing footy, those guys who are that good, mm -hmm. they can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's amazing, yeah, isn't it? It is. You know, and as Kelly said, you're saying Bolt was the... I, I don't know whether he saved the Olympics because I, I thought Michael Phelps was pretty special mm. in the swimming yep. earlier, but... Uh, yep. If uh, Gatlin had it, won that race, so there was a that would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster. I'll get, yeah, but I, I don't think he was a chance of beating Bolt. You know, but you know what? It's just if for the last three Olympics, the best thing about Bolt, he starts so slow and reels them back slowly. It's so good to watch. Yeah, well, it is good to watch. I mean, it's not always that easy for uh, you saying this relay here was much much closer uh, affair, as you can see. Now, the uh, man in the red with more hair than you expect is, in fact, our very own Fitzy Ryan Fitzgerald. <laughs> mm. Talk us through this. That's flat knackers there. That is... <laughs> So I've torn the first hammy there, the second one there, and he was just toying with me. Look, I, ne I nearly got over... I should have dived over the line like that American athlete. Yeah, you should yes. have. Yeah. And but I may have got him. Well, you, you're going as fast as you can. He bounds. Yeah, he caught me within half a second, and I was 20 metres clear. He's just unbelievable. Oh, the mechanics of him is amazing. The stride length is mm. centimetres long, much where he takes massively fewer steps in 100 metres. 
than his competitors because he's six foot five and just gambling along. He's yeah. six five, so you're, you're six six, aren't you? Yeah, just so under he's, six six. So he's. Yeah, he's looking you in the eye. But he's just his, his high knees and he's... He's looking yeah. you in his eye back over his shoulder. Oh, yes. we've yeah. seen you... we did in the change rooms after. Seen you in action, Fitzy, obviously. Uh, Brandy, I don't know if you enjoyed the gymnastics because you're very good at gymnastics yourself. I think you've got some vision of you uh, having a go. This is playing against uh, France for Australia. And whoop! Oh, there you go. Any, any disasters, Brandy, with doing that over the years? Have you ever I, I didn't it? do it that often. Yeah, yes. right. No, no. Just but kept it to France. How do, you, how do the, for the first time do you try to do a somersault? Because that what that's what freaks me out. Uh, you do it on mats. No, yes. actually, you do it on grass. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah when you you're six years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You, yeah. Yeah. And, and you sort of start by landing on your hands first. Yep. Yep. Do the boys get stuck in here for that or not? Well, they, well, it was because of the boys that I did it. Yeah. I, I didn't want to show off. And <laughs> they kept saying, do it in England. And I said, no, look, the crowds are too big. There's too many people watching. But, of course, television was over in France too. You know, yep. They caught it on camera. <laughs> but I, I thought I'd, I'd sneak one in in France. There was that one time after a trial where you moved out the vault and the pommel horse and they thought that was <laughs> probably getting a bit the, on the yourself. The mini that they... Yeah. Yeah. I think my favourite uh, moment from the games came in the diving after they drained and fixed the pool up. Have a look and listen. Once again, social media doing my work for me. Uh, thank you so much. There was a slightly bigger splash at an event in Norway, which, Adam Spencer, I think you uh, like the look I of as well. I was really excited to see this. Just as I've announced the end to my uh, Community Cup AFL career, I yep. finally found the sport in which I think I could excel. Mm -hmm. That great Australian tradition of the big belly flop. Have a look at these. Oh, man. World belly flop championships in Norway. Look at that one. That's not off the one metre. No, 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 this is the ten metre. And, yeah, splash. Oh. Yeah, and the inward double oh. reverse horsey <laughs> to finish it off. That is a brilliant ah, step. Right. That's the Philippines diving <laughs> team, isn't it? <laughs> so good. All right, here's a tip, everybody. If you want some quiet adult time on the sand, uh, pick a bit of beach not in the background for a live BBC television cross. And for those asking what's going on in the background on social media now, we're not going to zoom in, but rest assured, it's not, it's not that. It's just a hug. There's a bit of... They're reading a book. Apparently, they are reading a book. They're reading a book in a strange pose. <laughs> you know what? I've been married for over eight years now and I haven't read a book for years. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to AFL. How the hell did we get here again? Another wonderful Indigenous player being racially vilified by uh, someone in the crowd, this time Eddie Betts had a banana hurled at him by a Port Adelaide fan who has been identified and banned. Kel, it's just a, a bad look. Dealt with, I think, well by both Port Adelaide and the AFL community, but shocking. Well, what could possibly make you think that this is an OK thing to do, especially after the Adam Good saga last year? And I guess the one good thing that's come out of this is that the AFL and the clubs have learnt with the, what went wrong with Adam Goods last year. Remember, yep. Gillian McLaughlin was um, early days in the job as the AFL CEO. He never spoke publicly in the days after the Adam Goods booing saga. He was out the blocks quickly, very strong words, you know, totally unacceptable. Congratulations to Port Adelaide as yep. well for the way they handled it. 
Um, and, you know, we've got to remember as well, there's an individual here who's been attacked from all angles, particularly in the Adelaide media. So for Port Adelaide, I think they're bringing her in tomorrow to meet with their Indigenous players. Um, and they've got a very strong community and group in terms yeah. of Indigenous players. Yeah, and time, a history of, yeah. um, you know, obviously some sensational Indigenous players. So um, dealt with it quickly. Move on, best thing to do. Yeah, that's all you can hope for. Right? I do wish there'd been that strength and speed and, uh, you know, focus of response at any time in the second half of last season when Adam Goods really needed it. She has uh, apologised, obviously, but here is what Eddie Betts had to say. It's sad that, you know, racism still exists in our game. Um, you know, and hopefully people can learn from it. And, um, you know, all we have to do is just educate. I'd like to thank Port Adelaide, you know, the way that they handled the situation. Um, and not just Port Adelaide, but, you know, the support I got from my teammates and, you know, guys over here in Crowland. So, you know, hopefully we could all learn something from this weekend. Yeah, he's getting on with it in the exact way he should. But fan behaviour, look, it is a worry. Forget about the banana. There's all manner of abuse. I found this disturbing as well. Uh, have a little look at this, as, again, from that same game. And, look, Brandy, you've played football. Uh, I guess, you know, people say, oh, they pay the money, they can do what they want. There's a little kid there we, who gives the, uh, the finger and clearly swears at him. Mm. Just as a... It's wrong, surely. Yeah, that doesn't look good. No. A, a kid of 10 abusing a, a, a player. Um, I'm, look, rugby league players uh, get abused as they leave the field too. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not just AFL. You know, no-one's immune to it. No sport's immune to it. But uh, it, 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 that's, sort of, that's disappointing. And I saw his mother's... Right there next to him, she got whacked him across the head. Mm, yeah, I know well, that's not politically correct. No, <laughs> no, there, well, there was you know, no reaction after he there. swears and sticks the, the bird up. Yeah, he, mm. she must have felt like it. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's it is disappointing. Yeah, all right. Uh, huge story, obviously. Uh, no wonder the Age led with it on their website. If we can have a look here, we go in. AFL clubs disgusted at claims fan hurled banana. Good news is that uh, just a little way down, they did have a much friendlier alternative. Five minute ways to use bananas. Uh, none of them involved throwing at players. Yeah, it's never sort of Master Chef meets the AFL yeah. 360. Yeah. And I just can't wait to see how. Mystery box, support yeah. Adelaide fan. <laughs> 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 to the NRL and the Sharks' relentless march to their first premiership since entering the competition in 1967 has hit a really, really big bump, Brandy. Uh, last night you were there, South Sydney, who lost Adam Reynolds early yet still managed to hang on and get the job done. Yeah, look, it, against a resurgent South side, but they haven't had a win for a month now and, you know, everyone was talking about that the draw they had against the Titans a month ago and that was the end of their 15-game winning streak. Uh, they have some problems that they need to fix up pretty soon and they, they've got a couple of big matches to finish with. They play the Roosters, who themselves are back in form, yep. so they'll be no easy beats. And then they play the Melbourne Storm. Mm -hmm. uh, they've just about let go any chance of winning the minor premiership and second spot is in danger because the Raiders are, are coming to get them. So there's a, there's a chance... Am I right in saying there's a chance there could be no NRL finals in Sydney in week one? Oh, Kel, I... I I haven't I'm pretty that, sure that, that, that far into it. If, if the Raiders <laughs> finish second. On, yeah. OK? And yeah. there is still a chance well, there could the be no AFL final. They don't well, finish in top. Depending on who finishes fourth. Mm. Because the Cowboys are a chick. Cowboys play the Dogs this week. Now, the Dogs sit in fourth spot. Uh, if the Dogs finish fifth, mm. uh, they'll get a, yeah, they'll they'll get get a home final. Yeah. Yeah. So it just depends but on But there what is happens. that chance. There's also a chance in the AFL that... 
there could be no finals in Melbourne in week one. Yeah, two in Sydney, as mm. it turns out. Mm. Uh, look, you're at Penrith, obviously, premiership, premiership winning captain. You must be very happy with the way they're travelling at the moment. Extremely. Uh, look, and they've, they've won five of their last six. So that's put them in a position now with the win against the Tigers, and they won 40 to 10. And yep. differentials all you're very important when it comes to the semi-finals and, and whether you, you know, can uh, jump above a team. And Penrith now are, are plus 70 which sits them in a great position with the Tigers and the, and the Warriors really doing battle to get that last spot. But Penrith have been outstanding uh, this season and uh, some of their young players uh, have been brilliant. And one of them is, is Nathan Cleary, who's 18 and oh. looks like he's been playing for years. Extraordinary. Extraordinary composed player, as you say, at 18 with, years of age. With very few weaknesses. Normally you, get, you, you can get a young player that'll come up and he might look good for a while and he'll... he'll higher quickly, but uh, Nathan's getting better as the these ten games have gone on. He is surrounded by a, a lot of veterans as well. One, of course, is Peter Wallace. Uh, they look, they're getting most, thing, most things right, and veteran Peter Wallace, he still has a little bit of work to do on his drink bottle technique, as you can see here, up to the mouth, and no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> flip him around while it's, uh, it's a well, it's, there's a fair bit going around at the moment. I spoke to Benji Marshall outside and said that everyone's got an individual water bottle now down at the Dragons. So, yep, because they were catching too many tummy bugs and everyone was getting crook, so everyone has an individual with their name on it, they get their own water bottle, which is re really cute. So Peter Wallace thought he, was coming out, thought he was coming down sick, so chose to not even drink his own water. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. All right, well, the Sharks lost last night, as you mentioned, the Raiders, they can grab that second spot. They're already guaranteed a spot in the four. That hasn't happened since 2004. This boy, Jared Croker, was absolutely brilliant against the Eels, as was uh, uh, Leilua at the other centre. They're just combining beautifully. Yeah, look, they've won eight in a row, yeah. the Raiders. Uh, and as I said, they're a chance to grab second spot if the Sharks don't win the games required. And, and they were down 18 four and a half yeah. time. And this is after coming off a couple of wins, uh, successive wins against the top two sides, the Sharks and the Melbourne Storm. So they've beat some of the, the big guns in, in the last month. Uh, they struggled to beat the Eels, but it was a comeback that made you think, gee whiz, the Raiders are a special outfit. They're just good mm. fun to watch too. Well, they've, they've got, got so much strength. And what about yeah. Ricky Stewart after? I mean, he's, the, he's just the classic mastermind coach, isn't he? But poor us, we don't have Cam Smith, we don't have a Jonathan Thurston. What, what message was he sending? You know, we're just a team, we don't have a superstar. Well, I, I think it's that, Kel. He's, you know, I think he's portraying... To the, he's letting the fans know that they haven't got those players, but they're still doing the job. And I think what he's saying to his own blokes is that we are a team, and unless it's collective, uh, we don't win the game. I, I love it how he's down on the boundary. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And I'm just waiting one day when, the, you know, the opposition just run away on the, on the wing clear and then Ricky just comes from the side and collects something. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like he's about to do that at any stage. They are the Raiders, so it's uh, surprising it's taken this long for the crowd to bring out the old Viking chant and clap. You so well for, by Iceland in Euro. Have a look and a listen. That's great. This is pre-game. That's going to get you going. You sit down the dressing sheds and here and that. Absolutely. It? It's going to bring more fans through the gates as well. I mean, that's great they should, scenes. They should introduce every member of parliament like that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Albo. <Albert. laughs>
Jackie Lambie! That team is winning. They're having a good time all over the shop. The Bulldogs have decided not to fight Sam Cassiano's two-week ban for kicking Corey Parker in the face. Oh. Look at this. Bang. There he goes. Now, he wanted... They, you know, obviously thought if they fight it, they go three weeks. Now he just misses the two. It's Not much bit... to fight, is there? No, really. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I think Sam knew exactly what he was doing. Um, it, Corey Parker had hold of his legs and then tried to say sorry. Corey Parker didn't want to hear a word of it, so he's told him he should go home and have a cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you have a look at Corey Parker there. I, I love Aidan Tom was quoted as saying, no one was hurt. It's a contact sport. Doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't mean contact between your boot and his face. <laughs> no. That's not the contact we're, we're looking for. No, Sam was lucky to get away with two weeks. And, and, and in a year when there's been a lot of focus on apologies, good apologies, not quite apologies, any apology followed up by, why don't you go and have a good cry about that? Yeah. Tends to, in my... It just <laughs> takes away a bit. <laughs> just, just a bit of the integrity of the apology. Uh, hitting a Grand Slam homer in baseball, obviously, it's a pretty cool thing to do. It's even cooler when you do it while blowing a bubble. Now, this is Chicago White Sox. Adam Eaton, see the big hit out it goes. Just look. <laughs> At least you know he's breathing properly. <laughs> You've got to exert pressure and breathe out. It's you can great. tell, he can prove that he's doing it. It's so cool. It's the ultimate sledge of the pitcher, isn't it? He's Your pitching that. is so yeah. bad. Yeah. I'm going to blow a bubble while I put you back in. <laughs> this is so easy. Is it the Babe Ruth? Do you reckon it's up there with Babe Ruth? Pointing. But it's not, he's not alone. There's a bit of a tradition of bubble blowing in sport. Uh, so this is New Zealand. Kane uh, Williamson, look at this. There's the bubble and donk. No drama whatsoever. That's too cocky, isn't it? It is a little bit too cocky. Oh, he can play. Cool. Yeah, look, this... Uh, keep the eye on the ball. Beautifully takes it. Uh, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. And, and look, Anthony Mundine... <laughs> it does pop on his face somewhat appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Mundine. Coming up, Dane Swan announces his retirement. Our cricketers finally bag a win in Sri Lanka. And the horse everyone thought was home and hose. Or was it? Antics of any kind except speed He's the fastest bowler to reach that landmark. Hold the pose for the picture. Here is a maximum. This has been fettered as well. There it is. Mitchell Stark, the winning runs through point for four. Their highest run chase in Sri Lanka. Yeah, let's get to some Australian sporting glory. The unimportant test matches out of the way. <laughs> The Aussie cricketers have hammered Sri Lanka in the first yeah, yeah. one day. Domination! Yeah. <laughs> that was only our good news for the entire week. I in every know. Sport. It's been shocking all over the shop. But that was a really good performance by, by the boys. And Mitchell Stark, obviously, uh, you're a great cricketer. I know you hit the first six, I think, when Blacktown uh, Oval was, was open. Uh, th they Did you do... bowl that? <laughs> I might have tossed it's that one up. still going. Yeah. <laughs> as, as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, but after what did happen in the Test match, it is good to see them uh, hitting the ball hard and doing well. I, I, I can't get over the Test matches, but... Mm. I, you know, I, that uh, doesn't... You know, the one-day stuff. 
really. Like, mm. you want to wallow in the test, man? Yes, I still do. I do. If only those. I want the blame game to come out about <laughs> the test matches. <laughs> well, if, if only in the test matches, the uh, Sri Lankans had just bowled average medium paces on yes. batting tracks and yep. we've been allowed to hit sixes. The big problem, it's fantastic for Mitchell Stark, yep. but when your best bowler in Sri Lanka is your opening left arm yep. quick, yep. that probably suggests some issues a bit further down the order with the guys who are meant to be able to turn the ball a bit, no. as much as it talks so to his brilliance. imagine what yep. the test series would have been like oh, if yeah. we didn't have him there. Ooh. No, we can't blame the cricketers. We've got to blame the pitch. Yeah. Well, there has <laughs> been talk of that. Even that pitch there, uh, Finch, who scored 50-odd, hit those sixes we watched uh, earlier. And others have said that pitch was still turning square, mm. which is unusual in this day and age when you're playing one-day cricket. Well, apparently, and the funny thing about it, their practice pitches over there are totally are just flat, you yep. know, flat creases, and then, then, then you go and play, and it's completely different. So you can't prepare for it, Tony. No, but once again, we've been called whingers, they're calling us, uh, because the way That's we play. That's not you, but is it? No. Doctored pitches? No, 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 certainly yeah. not. No. In the subcontinent? Well, we do a bit of it ourselves here if we can. Look, no matter how many times I, I, I pinch myself, I can't wake up from, uh, from this uh, Australian rugby nightmare. This time I dreamt we were beaten 42-8 by New Zealand in the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, turns out that's exactly what happened. This is one of the most woeful performances by a Wallaby side. There, yeah. I've said it. Look, no Dan Carter, no Richard McCaw. Yeah. They've moved on. The, the great players have moved on. But we, we just haven't got the depth in Australian rugby to cope with the Kiwis. The Kiwis, they could have you know, a half a dozen of their top players pull out and they bring up ones that are just as good. And the Super Rugby said that to us. Where there was three Kiwi sides in the in the semis and one South African, and, yep. and no Aussie teams. And you, but you read the media in the lead up to this match. I mean, are there is there a more delusional set of sporting fans, any sport, any country, any time, than Australian rugby fans when we're about to play the All Blacks? Yeah. Still, most people were tipping them. Oh, we got them covered this time. We've got a very fast back row this time. Oh, our back row is going to be so far. It, it, I, I, we we beat them once. With, with Kearns, he did that, did that when he got up, and every time since then we've gone, we've got him on toast, and, I, and they murder us yeah. every yep. single time. No, I'm confident going over to Wellington this yeah, week. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we've got that. That's not bad. <laughs> the thing. We've, we usually have a chance at ANZ Stadium, or in Australia, we, we've lost that. We've missed 38 tackles. We've got absolutely hammered. We now do have to go to uh, Wellington, then later to Eden Park. So, in fact, what's in store for the Wallabies, unless there's a massive turnaround, is just... Huge trouble. What was your suggestion, Tone? Just have a year I off. Think rugby, months. just have a year off completely. <laughs> just don't play for a year, see what happens. Come a rebuilding back. phase. Yeah, yeah. rebuilding. Yeah. Brighter and fresher. Matt Gitter, I bet he wishes he uh, had a bit of some time off. He will now, though. He wanted one last crack at Bledisloe Cup. Sadly, that crack was in his ankle. Uh, broken. That will, I'd imagine, end what has been a distinguished Wallaby career. He gave up so much, not just financially, to come back from too long to play for the Wallabies. That's sad. It is, because I love what he did with that at the World Cup last yep. year and the fact that he's still so keen after all these years to play in the green and gold. So, wish him all the best. But it is sad if that's the last time we're going to see him play for Australia. Mm, yep. The big story from the week uh, was the Watergate-style bugging of the All Blacks hotel meeting room. Uh, apparently, a listening device was embedded in a chair, mm. uh, which is terrific. Pretty um, sneaky. Very, very sneaky. Yeah. It worked very well for the mm. Wallabies if it was them who did it. Uh, <laughs> this, though, ha has just come through tonight. We do have exclusive tape oh. from that listening device. Uh, this is the first time it has been aired publicly. Uh, it features All Blacks coach Steve Hansen. I think he's the voice you will hear. Uh, he is talking to his team, apparently, ahead of Saturday's test. 
Uh, we certainly respect them. They're a good side and they're full of world-class players. And <laughs> at, at home, they're hard to beat. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> Not a bad game plan. <laughs> That's very good. Badly uh, oh. <laughs> busted ankle in round one has kept Dane Swan out all season in the AFL. Now the Collingwood Stars pull the pin on what's been an amazing career. He maintained his sense of humour throughout. Um, pretty big crowd for a one-year deal, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, um, Thanks for that. But, yeah, obviously, um, my time's up, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm retiring. That's, that's the big announcement, so thanks for coming, and we'll see you later. <laughs> there he is at his uh, <laughs> retirement announcement today, Dane Swan. He has... He's done it all, hasn't he? He has. I mean, I guess when you think of the typical modern AFL-type footballer, yep. you don't really think of Dane Swan because uh, he's his own man, he's done it his own way, and fans absolutely adored him because yep. of that. Um, I think of that famous night, I think it was the 07 Brownlow, where he led for much of the night, Fitzy, and mm. he was on his Mad Monday celebrations. He was dressed up as Superman. He arrived with about five minutes to go in the count, only to be pipped by Jimmy Bartell, but him rocking up in that Superman outfit. So he, he's a great character and the game's going to miss him. Was it expected? Like, or, Yeah, or... I think so. He, his foot, he absolutely shattered that foot. Now, yeah. I think Swanee ended up dreaming of maybe going back to the country, getting paid well and playing with his mates. But uh, from all reports that I've heard, Brandy, his foot now, I don't think he'll get to play again. He's going to have real problems with that in the future. But it's a prime example. Like you said, Kel, didn't have the body of an AFL footballer. But in his prime day in Swan, no-one could tackle that bloke. Close to the ground, he would get the ball and he'd always get it out. And he was just unbelievable. The, the game for me was that Anzac game back in tw mm. 2012 when he won the medal and, uh, and obviously grand final as well, but he just dominated. We've got some images of him uh, as a young man then later. You see, he, he did progress, obviously, uh, as a player and just the look of him as well. Uh, here he is... Uh, they're just basically... He did pioneer to... the modern sleeve tack. Yes, he? Yeah. he did. And he moved down onto his legs as well, which yeah. is terrific. But the same shape, he's, uh, he was an amazingly strong young player as well, wasn't oh, he? Oh, he, he was just brilliant to watch. Like, he was like Gary Ablett Jr., one of those guys that... It, impossible. Robert Harvey, mm. you could never tackle him. He had that ungainly running style, didn't he? Yeah. But it, it, it's just that ability to run and run and run. Given the politics that's at Collingwood, I guess it's testament to him, the gathering of people he had there today, given that Mick Malthouse was there, sitting uh, alongside Eddie Maguire was there, obviously Nathan Buckley, the coach, there they are, all for him. That says a bit, doesn't it? All breaking bread. Yeah, and that, um, look, it's a professionally run club, isn't it? One of, they would tell you the biggest club in the land and Collingwood always does things big and it was certainly big today. Mick, Mick was there to promote the recruit as well. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and also volunteer to coach next year if they need yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Natanui, Nick, <laughs> Nick Natanui and the West Coast Eagles were just sort of hitting their straps this season, weren't they? Sadly, uh, Natanui is now out for the rest of the season. Most of next, you'd imagine, with that ACL injury. That's just shocking news for him. What, what an amazing fortnight of football. Because, you know, yeah. just before the week before against GWS, he kicks the goal of a career yeah. to win an amazing game that changes the entire destiny of the AFL final season. Then in a massive win for his club, mm. when they're pretty much there and it's done, mm. 
horrible knee injury in one play again this season can, and well in the next. Can they do anything? In the finals without him? You know uh, they've what? found some form. They can definitely do something, but he, he is just so central to, uh. I guess, how they travel. Well, uh, you, you look at the grand final last year against the Hawks. He had a very, very quiet game and they were beaten convincingly. He's a huge part of that mm. team. Yeah, they'll struggle. All right, if you've ever wondered what commentator's curse is, uh, this should clear it up for you. Let's go racing. Inside the final furlong, Fallen Leaf. Fallen Leaf has sharpened victory. No antics of any kind except speed, and there we go with the antics. <laughs> Philippe uh, Mignon got up to win it as Fallen Leaf ducked right at the wire there in 56 and 4. Hold all tickets, please. Called the early crow. He's gone the early crow. So obviously that horse had some form. Was he half expecting yeah, something well he was. like that? But and no there we go with the antics. There we go again. <laughs> so he didn't win that race time, did he? No, he the jockey that. wasn't on the horse. <laughs> no, was he? We're near the horse. Uh, all right, Adam Spencer, it's a great time to be a Manchester United supporter. I'm not wishing to jump early, obviously, but there's no way they won't win the... <laughs> <laughs> and it's the amazing combination of Mourinho and, and, and Zlatan. Yeah. Yeah. Ibrahimovic, the forward, who's not the youngest guy running around, but just jumps around like a ballet dancer doing these spectacular overhead kicks and big-headed goals, and he's just on fire. He's, he's, uh, he's Swedish, isn't he? Or he, yeah. he plays yeah. for Sweden. He's, he's very had hung. an extraordinary uh, European career, has yeah. he? With yeah. big clubs. Unbelievable big player. Clubs. Unbelievable. But I think 34, 35 years old now and still just dancing around the pitch. Very humble too. Yeah, very yeah. shy. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kicked a couple of goals, as we saw. They probably should have snatched a third, I, I reckon, in that one. If uh, other new signing, if Paul uh, Pogba, mm. if he had then let him, let Zlatan rather than... He just blazed away and Zlatan told him about it after the game. Have a listen. I thought you said it didn't matter who scores. Yeah, but this one you should have first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the second time. OK, well, he, he, can, he can pass now. He can pass now, Paul, because Zlatan is the Premier League man of the match. Will you pass that over to him? Uh, you see, I'll pass it now. I know. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, for well, the moment, they're getting on OK. That's a team torn apart already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two games in, they hate each other's guts. Uh, another season gone. Uh, getting beaten from the spot is tough enough for a keeper, but when the goal scorer rubs it in like this, it is just plain ugly. Uh, here he goes, pops it in the corner. Uh, that's not enough, though. Look, look, look. <laughs> Dive. Oh! oh! <laughs> See, <laughs> It's not friendly on any level, is it? Imagine doing that to Boz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have loved to have done that to Boz. <laughs> <laughs> no surprises that the uh, Mets pitcher Bartolo Colon is called Big Sexy. Uh, have a look at him. He even gets a tribute from his fan, this fan behind. Look, there you go. <laughs> Got the same belly as you, big fella. Look, up he comes. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Doesn't put him off, of course, does brilliantly. Which leads us beautifully to this week's top five fans who use their bodies to support their team. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. At number oh, five, look, got him right. Oh, oh, that is that's a doormat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Number four, uh, look, who needs an autograph book uh, when you've got the beer gut to, uh, to sign? <laughs> it's beautiful. And Number three, this is the uh, Mariners fan. Look, he didn't so much use his body as abused his body. It's like a cut of jumper, Luke. <laughs> 
treated like an amusement park pitch. <laughs> Number two, uh, look, using your guts as a tool for distracting the opposition is also <laughs> a terrific way to go about <laughs> Back into the bin, Charlie. All right, number one, uh, this bloke oh. go, wins hands down. He's got all the moves. CBJ, let's go to Let's go to work, CBJ. There you go. Oh. <laughs> you wait 15 minutes, it actually stops, then you can read it. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Kyrgios has continued to show increasing commitment to his game, smashing not Nick one, not furious. two but Kel three tennis rackets midway through his loss in the Cincinnati, Ma Cincinnati Masters. I think he might have double faulted to lose a game. That's showing... He lost the first set to Borna Koric, who's yeah. a younger player, an up-and-coming rising player, so he smashed the three rackets. Didn't quite beat the record of Bagdadis at the yeah. Australian Open. Something like that, but yeah. I think he's. Uh, I think he was just informed that his hairdresser blew, uh, blew 0.24 after he cut Nick's hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he got so angry. But at least he cares. Yeah, and and he, and he tweeted it as well, so he's proud of his efforts. He we, tweeted the vision. Yeah. Oh. We, we, it we, is we, hard to keep up with Nick, isn't it? Oh, yeah, well, mate, we should have a regular column on this show called Nick of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Nick of the Week. Nick of the Week. What what is coming up, fresh from his win at Ascot's Red Bull Air Race last week. Garn, Aussie pilot Matt Hall joins us. Right. Australia's Matt Hall. Well, that was beautifully flown. I like the way Matt Hall for Australia is flying here. He's keeping a very cool, calm head. No sign of nerves whatsoever. Around comes the Aussie. Oh, it's brilliant! It's the fastest by a long way. Ascot has gone to Australia. Matt Hall saves his best till last. And he knows it. What a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah, great win at Ascot in the Red Bull Air Race World Championship by an Aussie legend and fellow Novcastrian who joins us right now, Matt Hall. Hello and welcome. Did you notice we used the music from Top Gun there? That was very clever. I bet you've never heard that never before. Never seen that before. <laughs> Me and Kenny Loggins were like... <laughs> Do you have a nickname on the circuit, though? Are you Maverick or Goose or Iceman? Yeah, or... yeah they tend to call me uh, Maddie. Maddie. <laughs> That was that was an amazing win for you. Yeah, it was a, it was a great race to win. You know, it's, uh, to win in Ascot, to win in to win in uh, in the UK is always a good thing as an Aussie. But um, my season's been a little bit slow to start, so it was good to finally get a win under my belt this year. Flying like you do in those conditions, like does does climate matter? Is is a different northern hemisphere to summer? Is a different summer to winter? Yeah, the, the weather really does affect the aircraft. Uh, wind changes the track, uh, temperature changes how the plane flies and how I feel in the cockpit, but it's also, everyone also has to deal with that. I prefer the hot races because the Europeans melt under in the heat, but uh, we haven't had any hot races this year. Matt, how long's the season? How, how many events would you fly during that season? Yeah, it's only uh, eight races at the moment. We're trying to grow the sport still, um, but uh, the, it's over a long period. So the first race was in uh, March and the last race is in... October, okay. so just constantly backwards and forwards. There's no race in Australia, unfortunately, at the moment, so uh, every race is basically on the other side of the world. What do you do in your downtime? <laughs> I've got to find downtime first, but uh, in the end, it's really just uh, hang out with the family. Well, you yeah. just said before the interview that you, you, you're you scared of roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a bit of a... Uh, Bit of a uh, control freak, so sitting on a roller coaster that's just charging off in this direction, I've got no ability to slow it down or turn it. Just uh, 
It freaks you out. Watching that vision to me, like my, my palms are sweaty. For you, do you ever, I don't know, how do you put this, shit yourself? <laughs> <laughs> on, on a rare occasion, but uh, in the plane, not necessarily. Because <laughs> you've had some close calls, uh, yeah. obviously. I'm going to have a look at one, one right I now. I which one that'll be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is extraordinary. Talk us through it. Yeah, so uh, basically this is in 2010 in uh, Windsor. Uh, that's the reason I did uh, shit myself and my wife caught up with me finally. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, the, uh, it, was, it was one of those events that uh, it all happened pretty quick. I knew I was in trouble and you just sort of deal with it, actually. And, uh, you know, it's like you, you know something's going wrong, you know something's going horribly wrong very quickly and you just do what you've got to do to get away with it. Were you scared? No, not at the time. It was one of those events, you know, just, I just dealt with it. Uh, I was scared, as I said, when my wife caught up with me yeah. about an hour later. That's, uh, it was a little bit of fear in me then, but uh, she was pretty good and she, uh, she allowed me to keep racing. Now, is it true that you got into this sport because you wanted to do something that was a little bit more safe? You worked in the RAAF... And you yeah. were shot at over Baghdad? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've been shot at in combat and, uh, you know, flying in large formations, even in training missions, is, uh, has uh, danger attached with it. I've, uh, you know, I've, I'd spent 18 years in the Air Force flying the whole time and, um, you know, with a, a young family, I've, you know, I've got a, a little kid and uh, I just sort of chose that, uh, you know, I'd rather be in charge of my own destiny, racing, choosing my own risk levels and uh, not being shot at. I come from a family of big eaters. You come from a family of, of pilots, as it turns out. <laughs> your father, your grandfather, all, all were pilots? Yeah, I'm third generation now. So um, my granddad was a pilot in World War II in the, in the southwest Pacific. Um, my dad, he's a pilot, still is. I was flying with him uh, a couple of days ago, actually. And, uh, you know, we've, he taught me to fly and, uh, you know, it's good that we can still go flying together. And, and now my son, he loves uh, getting in a plane with me and going for a fly as well. So it's, a, it, it's part of who we are. And do you, have a, little, do you have a little private jet that you can take the family for a picnic one day? Do you do that or...? We do, actually. Yeah. Um, we, you know, I fly choppers, so we fly to the pub every now and then and go for lunch. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got a six-seat twin-engine aircraft and we head up to the Wit Sundays in yeah. there for a... For a holiday, so flying is a, a great thing for the family. And well, uh, I've got a bucks party up at the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're around, <laughs> if you're in a commercial airline, and you ever get the feel like, let me up there and you know show you what this baby can do. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I I used to sit like looking out the window, petrified, like you know <laughs> trying to keep an eye on where we're going, what we're doing, but. Uh, uh, you sort of end up. I'm I'm slowly getting better at uh, releasing my my uh, control freak uh, syndrome and uh, letting them just get on with their job. Well, tennis because a friend of mine. I was at a charity function with Matt, and I purchased for a friend of mine the chance to go on a flight with Matt. Can can if just a normal person hops in and you take it at a medium level of sp- are they just guaranteed vomit comet, or <laughs> can most people handle a bit of what you do? Do you get better with practice, or if you just don't have the guts for the G forces? You can't handle What's it like for an average member of the public in your cockpit? Yeah, for an average person to come flying with me, we'll, we'll build it up and most people make it through <laughs> keeping, uh, keeping their breakfast down because uh, we build up to it. Um, I, I could actually make myself airsick. So if I jump in the race plane, which is yeah, it's an, an amazing aircraft with what it can do, uh, if I haven't flown for two weeks and jump in that and I go as hard as I can, I'll actually make myself sick. So, so, so that move that you just put on there where you, you climb steeply, is that where you'd lose your stomach? Like, is that, yeah, it, it's, people is that react differently. There's, uh, there's people that can't handle rolling. Yeah, I can roll a plane at 400 degrees a second, so mm-hmm. it's faster than your eyeballs can keep up. Um, and also turning the aircraft, you know, in the race I'll turn at 12G. That's 12 times oh. the force of gravity. And uh, to put that in perspective, the F-18s, they only pull 7.5G, so wow. we're going, yeah, a, a quantum leap above the... Uh, what if we brought okay. Nick Curious a voucher? <laughs> <laughs> 
if it breaks something. <laughs> you take him for a ride. <laughs> Matt, um, how much effort do you... We see what you do in the cockpit, but away from that, I mean, physically, as a trainer, and I guess mentally, you were telling me earlier that you work closely with... Um, Ian Thorpe's former sports psychologist? Yeah, that's, um, there's a lot in it. Um, you know, I've got to make sure I'd, I'm in pretty good physical shape so I don't have to be like a sprinter where absolutely everything counts physically, but I still have to be in pretty good shape for what I put my body through. Um, but, yeah, 70 to 80% of it is uh, the mental side of it. You know, I can fly a plane and I'm healthy enough to fly a plane, but I've got to be uh, making sure that before I get in the track I know exactly what I'm going to do, uh, where I'm going to be looking, where I'm going to breathe, you know, just where I'm going to be able to actually get the air into my lungs, um, you know, how tight I'm going to, uh, to pile on. So it's, it's something that I spend a lot of time preparing for what's going to happen in that 60 seconds in the track to the point where, uh, you know, like Craig Lowndes, I talked to him a bit, that, you know, we both have the same routine. We sit there mm. and we run mentally through the track and we should be able to do it within one second just uh, thinking about wow. it. Well, you're doing it beautifully at the moment. All the best. Thanks so much for dropping by. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Matt Hall coming up, our Champ of the Week. And now for something completely different. A tap that sounds like a Formula One car. And like, <laughs> and like the Red Bull uh, team in 2016, it has gone to water, as far as you can <laughs> say. The great thing is him and his mates can change the plug in 1.2 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> See what I do during the week? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. bored on the weekend again. A lot of spare time in Tony. What time of the night did you find that one? What do you have to put into YouTube to find yeah, that? Don't ask him. Don't. Let's not go there. <laughs> time now for our Champ of the Week. You know what? I've got Eddie Betts. Mm. Uh, he not only handled that uh, the racist attack quite so well. beautifully, buried beneath that whole controversy is the fact that this great small forward played his 250th AFL game. Not only played it, dominated it, Kel, didn't he? Kicking goals at crucial times. Look at this. Including the match winner yeah. right there. And continued Adelaide's, of course, their late-season momentum uh, put Port Adelaide to the sword in the latest showdown. We'll play it. Well played and it on all fronts. might be Eddie Betts kicking the winning goal against the Swans on the first weekend Ooh. in October. Oh, I don't oh. think so. Oh, oh, I did don't. you ruin a night which like is, that? Which, was, which is known fun. as the Fitzgerald Cup. <laughs> 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 thank you all for your company. Oh, thank no. you. Thank you, Brandy. Uh, lovely to have you with us. We'll see you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.